Welcome to the Functional Nutrition Podcast. I'm your host, Erin Holt. I'm a functional medicine nutritionist with a feisty attitude in over a decade of clinical experience. I work with women all over the world through my online programs, and I'm also the founder of the Functional Nutrition Academy, a 12-month practitioner mentorship where I help other nutrition pros level up with functional medicine methodologies. I've got a bone to pick with diet culture and the conventional healthcare model that are both systematically failing so many of us. Creating a new model is my life's work, and this is what the show's all about. Please keep in mind this podcast is created for educational purposes only and should never be used as a replacement for medical diagnosis or treatment. If you like what you hear today, I'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review in iTunes, share with a friend, and keep coming back for more. Thanks for joining me. Now let's dive deep. All right, my athletes and my fitness freaks, are you getting enough electrolytes? You kind of need them. They're kind of a big deal. You lose a lot through sweat, but just don't be replacing them with any of the junk. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no fillers, no yuck. You need Element. It's not only delicious and wicked convenient, mixes in water super easily, but it also contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio, 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, 60 milligrams of magnesium. You can get a free sample pack that's eight single serve packets for free with any element order when you go to drinkelement.com forward slash funk. The deal's only available through my unique link to thank you for listening to the show. D R I N K L M N T dot com forward slash F U N K. You can try it risk free. And to all of my Organifi loving friends, get excited, get ready for Organifi's newest product green apple juice. Yum. It's like a healthy apple juice with all the benefits of the original green juice. If you don't love the taste of the original green juice, this one is for you. It's made with organic apples that are hand-picked, Golden Delicious, Northern Spy, Macintosh, Ida Red, and Empire. So real deal apples are up in this blend. It also has the added benefit of 600 milligrams of ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that helps the body cope with stress and can balance out cortisol levels. It also has really potent and nourishing green plants like moringa, spirulina, and chlorella. It's so good. You're going to absolutely love it. Order it today. Head to Organifi.com forward slash funk, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com forward slash funk, and you can save 20% off your order with the code F-U-N-K. Hello, we are back with part two of the autoimmune series. So this is designed as a series, this segment of episodes. So I do recommend you listen to it as such. If you haven't heard last week's episode, scoot back and give that a good listen. Um, This is part two. We're going to talk today about the immune system, get you to understand some of the different components of the immune system and what can get dysregulated with autoimmunity. And we'll talk about some lab testing as well. We are opening up our email to listener questions. So if you're listening to these two episodes, you've got questions, you can submit them through email. It is support 
at thefunctionalnutritionist.com. And I just ask that you throw something like podcast question into the subject line so we can organize them easily. Uh, please no DMs on Instagram. They just really get lost in the shuffle. I have Jenna there in my, my messages organizing things. And even still, it's kind of hard to keep track of things in DMs. Email is so much easier for us. So please send them through email. And we're going to jump right into the immune system. So Gabor Mate says, our immune system does not exist in isolation from daily experience. Danny Hillis says, a human body is a conversation going on both within the cells and between the cells. So the immune system is not just like this a static thing. It's incredibly dynamic, lots of different moving parts. And there are two main parts of the immune system. We have innate immune system and we have the adaptive immune system. The innate immune system is there to basically like fight off anything that comes into your system immediately. And then the adaptive or acquired immune system, our learned immune system involves lymphocytes, T cells, B cells, it's kind of coming in to do the job to clean things up and then it remembers. So that's how we develop immunity against things. So there are all sorts of different cells that are involved with the immune response to things um, outside of ourselves. Antigen is a word that you might hear me throw around. Antigen is basically just a foreign protein. It's a protein that is not our own cell tissues. Um, it's anything outside of the self. Doesn't mean that it's bad necessarily, but that's kind of our immune system's job is to determine friend from foe. It's to sample these things and to give them a little tasty taste and say, good, bad. Friend of foe, yo, state your biz. It's basically what these antigen presenting cells are saying. So our innate immunity is our first defense against invaders. Um, these are our surface barriers. So like the surface of our skin, you know, you think about the skin, it's kind of involved in the immune system because it's keeping things out. We have our lung and nasopharynx, our respiratory mucus linings. Um, we've got our intestinal barrier. We've got the GI tract mucosa lining. We have the blood brain barrier. And so this is a, a physical barrier system against pathogens against things coming in that could potentially cause a ruckus in our body. It's keeping the, the, the outside out and the inside in essentially, and only allowing in things that are going to serve our bodies, things like nutrients from our food, right? That's kind of what the immune system is doing. And then we have the adaptive immune system. And this is mediated by cells called lymphocytes. So that we're going to get into a little bit of the nitty gritty of the science. I'm going to try to make it as painless as possible and we'll get through it fast. Lymphocytes, these are our T cells and our B cells. Uh, T cells, Th1, Th2, Th17, T reg cells, T helper cells. Big deal in autoimmunity because these T cells tend to be quite dysregulated in autoimmunity. If you're immune savvy, you're probably pretty familiar with T cells. We also have the B cells. Uh, these B and T cells are like the special forces I've heard them described, uh, as, um, so they're not, they don't immediately come in. They're not the first line of defense, but when they come in, they are specific they know what they're going after and they get the job done. They're essentially like the killers. So B cells secrete antibodies. You've heard of antibodies before, of course, right? B cells are the things that make these antibodies and they're very 
specific and they bind to specific pathogens. So every antigen, remember that protein, that foreign protein has a unique matching antibody and it kind of attaches like a lock and key mechanism. And so once it attaches, it can then go in, destroy and neutralize the threat. Another name for antibody is immunoglobulin. So if you see that that word scooting around on a lab panel or otherwise, that's that's what that's another name for antibody. Now, leukocytes are the white blood cells, so they are created in our bone marrow and then they go out into the bloodstream, they go out into the lymphatic system. So we have tons and tons of leukocytes in our bloodstream, bloodstream scooting around at any given time, all the time. They're basically constantly screening the blood, the tissues, the organs. They're looking for signs of suspicion, like what's going on here? And if they there is any type of threat, they're going to send in macrophages, which if you remember from like, what, like high school science, macrophages are those Pac-Man cells. They like nom, nom, nom. They like gobble things up. And there, we have different types of macrophages depending on where in the body they are. Uh, dendritic cells are, are one of them. And you've heard me talk about dendritic cells in the gut as it relates to um, food sensitivities. So essentially these guys are the security guards, right? They're there, they're defending, um, and they decide, they help the immune system decide whether it's going to react or not react. So they're sitting back, they're kind of waiting for anything foreign to come into the body. This can be food. Food is foreign to the body because it's not something that we produce in our own body. It can be a virus. It can be bacteria. It can be a fungus, like anything from the outside coming in. It can be um, chemicals that we're inhaling, um, whatever. So if something foreign comes in, the macrophages will then attach to it and engulf it. If it's a threat, it will destroy it. So that's why they're like the Pac-Man cells. They basically eat things up, but they're not really like the, the chief killers. Um, they, they basically take that, they like gobble it up. They kind of just decide good, bad, indifferent, what's going on here. And then they transmit that information to the rest of the immune system. And then we have T cells that swoop in and they go in search of infected body cells. They can kill them off. B cells produce those antibodies. And it's this reaction. This is when we start to feel like trash. This is when we get the high temperatures. This is when we might start to sweat. This is all by design. I've said it before. I will say it again over and over and over. Our body is such like a miracle, like that the fact that all of this stuff goes on without us having to have any conscious thought, it's not like we're directing this to happen. It's just like, happening behind the scenes. Um, it, it just makes me so sad how hard we are on our bodies all of the time. Cause it's like literally performing miracles all the time. Uh, so anyway, so this is, so we've got these high temperatures because a warmer body, higher temps, it does make it a little bit trickier for bacteria, bacteria and viruses to reproduce and to spread. They're, they tend to be temperature sensitive. That's why in my house, we don't treat a fever. That's like kind of like a hard and fast rule um, because we want the immune system to do what it's designed to do. And what's, I think, which is, which kind is, what is interesting to me, I think it's fascinating, is that the immune system's job isn't really like designed to keep us from getting sick, but basically to stop a threat from 
spreading to such a dangerous level that it could really do significant harm. And when it's doing this, it's also creating long-term immunity. So B cells and T cells, they identify these antigens and then they get to use this information later on. They recognize these invaders, these foreign invaders later on in the future. So I think that's very, very cool. So lots of things happening, right? We've got the T cells, we've got B cells, we've got natural killer cells, cytotoxic T cells, antibodies, complement proteins. There's lots of things going on, macrophages, lymphocytes, right? Um, and every single one of these things can dysregulate in autoimmunity. So with autoimmunity, you can have complement protein issues, you can have T cell issues, you can have B cell issues. Really, all of it is part of the the uh, inner workings of autoimmunity. And the wild part about it is that it can be very different from person to person, even within the same autoimmune disease. So two people can have, let's say, RA, and the way that their immune system functions can be different. So it's not just one thing, right? It's not just one type of cell that's dysregulating an autoimmunity. And this is what makes it so tricky. This is what makes it so tricky to treat or uh, to, to help the immune system moderate because we have to figure out well, what is reacting. And that's really challenging. So that's why with autoimmunity, there are, there's just so much trial and error with treatment strategies. And I think I think I don't, I, I say this not to discourage. And again, remember, if you're going to commit to the series, commit to the whole thing, because I don't want you to hear one little bit of information that feels frustrating or, you know, and then you go into like, oh gosh, fear mode, um, really listen to everything that I have to say about this. But I think when we're dealing with somebody with autoimmunity, it's so important to get them to understand that part of getting better is trial and error. And that is okay. Because if we try something and fail and try something and fail and try something and fail, we can start to make up stories about ourselves, about how our case is hopeless, how we can never get better, how we are a lost cause. That is so demoralizing and is not a story that's conducive to healing. And so if we know this, the, the reason that I wanted to go into all of this immune system stuff, if we understand what's happening and we know that part of our healing process might be two steps forward and one step back, and we give ourselves the space and the grace for that without going into storylines about how we can never heal without self flagellating without doing violence to ourselves with our thoughts and with our self-criticism and with our judgment and with our shame, then that really opens up the doorway to healing. We have to lead with compassion, self-compassion and with grace. Um, and I think understanding our bodies and what's going on with autoimmunity even if we don't know the exact thing that's going on with us, but just understanding the complexity of it, I think it, it allows us to do this a little bit uh, in a kinder, gentler way with ourselves. There is a couple key features with pretty much all autoimmunity, um, and that is there is 
overactive inflammation. So the NF-kappa B pathway, which is an inflammatory pathway in our body, seems to be more activated. The autoimmune process kind of continuously ramps this up. So it's a bit of a loop. Um, And this is why understanding our inflammatory inputs is so important in autoimmunity. Like where, what, what type of inflammation is, is coming in or what kind of inflammatory inputs are coming in because we have control over that to some extent. And so we want to make choices that, um, align with reducing overall inflammation or overall inflammatory load in the body. And, um, there can be different degrees of inflammation at different times, depending on what's going on with this pathway. And then the other thing is loss of immune tolerance. So immune tolerance basically means being able to differentiate self-tissue from non-self-tissue, right? That friend from foe. And so with autoimmunity, it's like the immune system is a little bit confused. It's like, hmm, is this a foreign invader or is this myself? I'm not quite sure. So that's what loss of immune tolerance is. And we can oftentimes see it paired up with loss of oral tolerance, which is um, reacting to food antigens. So having a lot of food reactions, a lot of food sensitivities, and also loss of chemical tolerance, where we tend to be hyper reactive, hyper sensitive to uh, the chemicals in our environment. So those two do tend to be two hallmark uh, things. And we'll talk about strategies for those, but really like swiftly, what I will say is that reducing our overall inflammatory load, hugely important for autoimmunity, really paying attention to our diet and um, the amount of antigenicity of our diet, which is a concept I promised to unpack, super important for autoimmunity, and then really assessing our chemical exposure. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I re-released an episode about fragrance and I was like, this is going to come into play in a few weeks. Just stick with me. Um, Evaluating how much exposure we're getting to environmental toxicants is very important for for autoimmunity. Uh, once we lose chemical tolerance, we're more likely to lose self-tolerance, same deal with oral tolerance. So they all kind of, they all kind of play together. So let's get into the, the different types of autoimmunity because our, the, the autoimmune disease that you get diagnosed with depends on the target protein sites. So the generalized concept of autoimmunity as a reminder, is that antibodies are formed against a specific human protein. Self-tissue is being flagged and tagged as non-self. And so the immune system swoops in uh, as though it's attacking a foreign invader and it's actually your own tissue. So that's what's classified as autoimmune disease. You can have autoimmunity against any part of the body. So it can be classified as organ-specific or systemic. All right, before we get into systemic autoimmunity, let's talk about our latest sponsor, Dry Farm Wines. This is truly a vision board partner. I've wanted to partner with them for a while now, as I've personally had a Dry Farm Wine subscription for years. Now, I'm certainly not suggesting wine is a health food, but joy 
certainly is. And personally for me, there's just something about cooking a healthy meal with some music and my family and having a glass of wine. It's just, honestly, it's one of my favorite experiences, but unfortunately I started to react really harshly to wine a few years back. I literally remember crying to a friend, um, because I'm like, I just do so much for my health. I don't want to have to give up an occasional glass of wine, something that I really enjoy. Now we talk a lot on this show about processed foods, but what I actually did not know and didn't understand at the time is that wine can be extremely processed as well, which is why it can make you feel like trash, even when you're only drinking a glass or two. There are 76 additives that are legally approved for use in winemaking. So this include dyes, thickeners, and GMO yeast. And so many of my clients have yeast uh, allergies and yeast sensitivity. So it makes sense that wine makes us feel not so great. And the top 20 wines sold in the U.S., contain high levels of sugar. And we know that sugar can make us feel not so great. So I actually found out about Dry Farm Wines on a podcast a few years back, and I was stoked because they use, um, it's organically, biodynamically grown, it's sugar-free, low alcohol, and they source wines from small family growers, all of whom make their wine by hand. And supporting these family vineyards really helps to preserve the healthy soil, the biodiversity, and support natural farming practices. So if you're like me and you want to have some wine without feeling horrible, check out Dry Farm Wines for Functional Nutrition Podcast listeners. They are offering an extra bottle in your first box for a penny. They can't give it away for free because it's alcohol. So make sure you head to dryfarmwines.com forward slash Funk to sign up for your first box. You get free shipping delivered straight to your door. And I hope you enjoy. When I start to feel my stress and anxiety kick it up a notch, like Emeril Lagasse, I personally lean on Ned's de-stress blend. It's a certified organic formula that features two powerful plant compounds, CBD, and then the lesser known CBG, which is considered the mother of all cannabinoids because of how effective it is for anxiety and stress. De-stress blend also features ashwagandha, one of my favorite adaptogens. And I think I say that about all the adaptogens, but ashwagandha was my gateway into adaptogenic herbs. So I do have a special love for it. Invest in yourself and fortify your stress response. Get 15% off of Ned's de-stress blend with code Funk, go to helloned.com forward slash funk or enter code funk at checkout. That's H E L L O N E D.com slash F U N K to get 15% off. Thank you, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering our listeners a natural remedy for some of life's most common health issues. All right, back to the show. So, an example of systemic autoimmunity is lupus. So, it's the immune system is attacking a protein that's found in multiple tissues. That's what systemic autoimmunity is. So another example of systemic autoimmunity would be scleroderma because you have autoimmunity against collagen proteins. And collagen, right, is kind of all throughout the body. With lupus specifically, the target protein for lupus is DNA. 
So we're going to talk about an ANA comprehensive profile in terms of testing. And you'll see on that panel, anti-DNA antibodies. So that means with a systemic autoimmune disease like lupus, any tissue is up for grabs. In this case, nucleic autoimmunity has been turned on. Your immune system is making antibodies against your own DNA. So these immune cells actually see your DNA as foreign. Whoa. What like this is heavy stuff. So if you're in like a little bit of a anxiety and fear spiral, I get it. I I feel you. And also pump the brakes because I've got more information coming your way soon because there is evidence that we have the ability to change our DNA. There is evidence that we have the ability to change how our immune system responds. So if you know that you have these anti-DNA antibodies and you're freaking out right now, I got you. Stick with me. We can do this together. Okay. But the point of me saying that is remember last week we talked about this overly simplistic model of uh, autoimmunity treatment in the functional medicine space where it's like, you just gotta heal the leaky gut, right? But how does healing leaky gut change that, right? Change this systemic autoimmunity? Hmm. I don't know. I think it's, I think it's overly simplistic. And I think that that's why people are not getting better all of the time. But the, the good news about that is that we can, because every time I hit you with something like <laughs> that feels heavy, I want to hit you with something that, you know, feels good in your body too. We can absolutely change the expression of this so it doesn't flare up as often, right? We can get this to a state where it's not as, um, you're not just constantly like dealing with these high inflammatory loads. So then we have, so that's systemic autoimmunity, and then we have organ specific. So for example, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, the organ is the thyroid gland. So we would be looking, screening for TPO antibodies or thyroglobulin antibodies. With diabetes, type 2 diabetes, it's the islet cell of the pancreas. Uh, with MS, it's the myelin sheath. So it's organ specific. It's tissue specific. So there are kind of two different categories of autoimmunity. And I, the, the next question from here is probably, well, like, how do I know? <laughs> how do I know which one's which? Um, we're going to get into a couple of different or a few different lab tests, like basic lab tests that you can get through any lab, kind of like conventional doctors. It's not not a functional lab, but the, I do want to tell you about this one specific functional lab test. It is Cyrex. The, the lab company is Cyrex and it's Array 5. And this is looking for spe tissue specific antibodies. So it's really looking at everything. And the, the cost of the lab kind of depends on who you order it through. Um, it, it's a few hundred dollars, which probably seems very overwhelming, except for when you compare it to um, ordering up all of these individual lab uh, markers, like through a different lab, it would be thousands of dollars. So this is, I have it pulled up on my computer screen right now. I mean, there's probably like at 
you know, 20 different, 20 different um, antibodies that it's looking at or antigens that it's screening for. So um, definitely something worth considering and definitely something, a task that's worth knowing about in my, uh, in my, as far as I know, there's no other lab test that's comparable to this. What I will say as somebody who was diagnosed seven years ago with an autoimmune illness, um, I actually have not done this lab test because I don't trust myself to moderate my anxiety in response to the results because I feel really good right now. I live a very healthy life. I don't really think about my uh, autoimmunity on a daily basis. It's not something that rules my life like it used to. So this data might stimulate anxiety, which then, you know, there's a whole spiral that goes along with that. And so I say this because if you are kind of caught in the crosshairs of feeling like shit all of the time, but having your healthcare uh, providers be like, ah, we can't find anything wrong with you. All lab tests are normal. And this has been going on for years. This might be a really great lab to consider to start to get some answers and start to start to understand where is the auto, I suspect autoimmunity based on the red flags that we talked about last week, where is the autoimmunity in my body? So I think it's a phenomenal test and it's really important that you have a practitioner that can help you understand what the the results mean, because just having these results can really be a stimulus for anxiety. Um, And I just want to say that and let that be it. Because the, the truth of the matter is the presence of antibodies isn't enough to say you have an autoimmune disease. So you might get this lab test and you might be like, oh shit, this is bad. This is real, real bad. But um, you might not completely understand the stages of autoimmunity. So let me, let me explain them to you right now. Um, because remember with autoimmunity, immune system is making antibodies against specific target proteins in your body. These elevated antibodies are going to be present in all stages of autoimmunity. But we've also see, gosh, I don't have it. I don't have it pulled up right now. Um, but I, there is a, a study that looks at centurions. Am I saying that word right? People that live to a hundred years old. I feel like I'm like saying centaur, like the, the man horse thing. Anyway, this is why I always need to pull up research papers before I take to the mic clearly. But basically these people that live to a hundred years old, like pretty much all of them had the presence of auto antibodies, but they were protective. So they were creating antibodies to their own tissue, but they were protective. So just having the presence of antibodies isn't enough to just say, oh God, you've got a disease. This is bad. This is bad. Or like you're sick, you're a sick person. So stage one, is considered silent autoimmunity. There is the presence of autoantibodies, so that's antibodies against your own tissue, but there's no symptoms. So these can be considered predictive antibodies. And this is what I mean when I was saying about the Cyrex Array 5. Like I know my own brain. I know that my I have uh, a history of medical trauma that 
sends me into a worst possible scenario um, story real easily. Those networks are grooved out in my brain. That is where my brain likes to go. Here's the information. Here's the worst possible scenario. Let's play it out, right? No thanks. Uh, that's not healthy for me. So I am at the point now where I know I'm doing everything in my power to support my overall immune system. So I actually don't want to see those predictive antibodies. I'm good. <laughs> but you might be in a very different stage uh, of your healing journey, and you might be in the, the, the place where you are just actively looking for information. And in that scenario, that lab is phenomenal. So with predictive antibodies, there is some autoimmune process, but there's no clinical symptoms. And with this stage, stage one, that inflammatory pathway that I talked about, that NF-kappa B is down and we have uh, certain T cells that are um, moderated in a, in a better way. So T3, TH3 is up, TH17 is down. And then that shifts when we step into stage two. Stage two is autoimmune reactivity, where there's the presence of antibodies and now you have symptoms. So chances are, if you're listening to this episode, you're probably here at least, right? Like if, if you were like, I feel great, I'm not gonna tune into an episode about autoimmunity, right? That's probably stage one. You know, maybe you've got some antibodies, but you know, whatever, you feel great. Stage two is like, you got symptoms. You've got symptoms and they've been going on for, for some time, but there's no tissue destruction. So there's no tissue destruction at this point. Um, the shifts that happen is that that inflammatory cascade, that inflammatory pathway is up. Uh, we've got TH3 down, TH17 is up. So there is a shift between stage one and stage two. And that's probably why we're experiencing those symptoms is there's just like a little bit more reactivity and inflammation happening. Um, and then stage two can be I find that this is where people get really stuck and frustrated. This is usually, since people don't feel well, that's when they start to go searching for answers. They're like, why don't I feel good? And then this is the when we're, remember last week we talked about how like 45% of autoimmune patients end up getting labeled as chronic complainers or hypochondriacs. This is kind of the stage when that happens because despite having symptoms, tests keep showing up as normal because most doctors aren't looking for those very specific antibodies. So maybe they do an ANA panel or something like real basic or just an ANA marker and that comes back fine. That might not mean you don't have autoimmunity, but you can't, there's no one test for autoimmunity. You can't just be like, doctor, please test me for autoimmunity because it can be so many different tissues. And there's really no one test with perhaps that the exception of the Cyrex Array 5 that that looks, and by the way, I don't work for Cyrex or anything like that. This is not like a sponsor. <laughs> it's just a really great lab. Um, there is no one test. So it's not that your clinician, your healthcare provider isn't doing their due diligence. It's just that there really isn't one way to test for autoimmunity. I'm going to give you some basic labs in just a moment for you to understand, you know, to, to potentially request, um, that can start to give you some insight, but then we have stage three, which is autoimmune disease. And this is where, so this is actually like 
you get diagnosed with autoimmune disease at this point. So this is where you have antibodies, you have symptoms and there's tissue destruction. So, you know, for, uh, MS, like your, an MRI would show plaque, you know, you're not making insulin anymore. There's like clear tissue destruction. Uh, ex, you know, your, your thyroid gland is not producing thyroid hormone, whatever it might be. The kind of the shitty part about the conventional model is that you're not actually getting help, treatment, and attention until it's like all the way in the stage three. You know, and by that point, tissue is destroyed and the process of autoimmunity is well underway and it becomes more difficult to untangle at that point. Um, the flip side of the coin is that some people can just like stay cruising around in stage one or stage two and never even get, never even progress to stage three. So, you know, kind of, I think that a lot of this has to do with your environment, your stress levels, your sleep, your diet, your movement practices, how well you take care of yourself. So to give you an example of how this might play out, we'll use Hashimoto's, which is a common autoimmune condition as an example. Hashimoto's is immune dysregulation with an endocrine fallout. Endocrine meaning your hormonal system. Um, so thyroid gland being part of the endocrine system. And that is like the site of attack in Hashimoto's. So the conventional approach is to only address the endocrine piece. So this is why conventional docs and endocrinologists will monitor TSH and T4. They're basically waiting for enough damage to the gland, which would be considered stage three, where the gland actually stops producing adequate levels of thyroid hormones, and then it needs to be replaced through medication. Whereas the functional approach, kind of preventative root cause approach is to actually screen for those thyroid antibodies, especially, so whenever I run a thyroid panel, we're running, we're testing for TPO and thyroglobulin, thyroglobulin antibodies as well, because it's ideal if there's some dysfunction with the thyroid, we want to catch the elevated antibodies early and then make the appropriate changes to support the immune system before it progresses all the way to stage three. Of course, that's not always possible, but that's kind of the ideal scenario. So that's why in my program, Your Hormone Revival, when we're looking at thyroid, we're really looking at antibodies as well. So Hopefully that helps uh, clear that up a little bit. Now, before we close that, I want to give you some specific testing that you can start to think about. We're going to get it later in the series. We'll get into specific functional labs. Today, we're just going to go over conventional and routine labs for autoimmunity that can help to assess the, the overall health of the immune system and give us some clues as to what's going on. And if you do have autoimmunity or you suspect it, these are very good routine labs to establish a baseline. So then you can kind of continue to get these labs and see where things are headed, are things improving, all that all that jazz. Um, I don't, what I don't want you to think about as is these tests as less than in comparison to functional lab testing. Because the truth of the matter is functional lab testing is expensive and it can be out of people's budget. And these labs are very helpful. So, you know, we, we want to use them all combined to the best of our ability. So typically when somebody's screening kind of conventional medicine is screening for, uh, 
a autoimmunity, they might run anti-nuclear antibodies, like an ANA. And if that's positive, that's indicative that there is some type of autoimmune process going on. So then it can be followed up with a comprehensive ANA marker. Um, sometimes this is called uh, a systemic autoimmune panel or a lupus panel, uh, but comprehensive ANA panel is is um, a really great way to screen for systemic. So this won't be tissue specific, organ specific, but this can screen for systemic autoimmunity. So this is where we see the anti-DNA antibodies, uh, nucleic acid protein antibodies, uh, mixed connective tissue antibodies. So that's like collagen proteins and a comprehensive ANA panel has nine different biomarkers. And so it's in uh, its screening for all of these systemic things. So I would say that's a very, very good place to start. It's not complete because remember that's looking for systemic autoimmunity, not organ specific autoimmunity, but a really good place to start. Great information to have. Then we talk about the CBC, the complete blood count. Very important. This is a general overview of what's happening with the immune system. So we talked about different uh, immune cells earlier, that's kind of what we're looking at in a CBC. It gives us a baseline, like I said, so we can follow up routinely to see um, essentially the overall health of our immune system. So on a CBC, you'll see WBC. That's your total white blood cell count. That's all the white blood cells, the innate, the adaptive, all of them. When we have a low white blood cell count, we can begin to suspect autoimmunity. It's kind of saying, yo, your, your immune system is tired. It's fatigued. Um, when you're looking at traditional lab ranges, the range is between three to 10, which is pretty broad. Uh, as it's been taught to me, we're look like optimal health is somewhere between four to six, but this is very individualized and it's based on your baseline. So maybe for you, three is like leaps and bounds from where you used to be and you feel really great at a W, you know, a, a white blood cell count of three. So it's not, there's like a lot of wiggle room with interpretation here. Um, we don't want to just like take the lab at face value. So if, this uh, white blood cell count is high. So if it's like above the 910 marker, then you might be thinking about pathogens. We're going to talk about pathogens in an upcoming show. This is especially true if this is paired with high neutrophils. There's most likely some type of bacterial pathogen that needs to be uh, addressed that's driving up and ramping up the immune system. So keep that in mind. Uh, not that you're going to try to be like analyzing these labs yourself. However, if you have a CBC kicking around a recent one, you might take a peek see at what's going on. Um, when white blood cell count is high in lymphocytes are also high, this may be more indicative of a viral infection or something tick-borne like a Lyme. Again, there's lots of exceptions to these rules, but that can kind of point you in the direction. We're going to start to get into root cause and root triggers of autoimmunity. Like I said, they last time, they're so individual. They're very specific and unique to you. So this can start to give you some clues as to where to start poking around. 
Then we can look at acute phase reactants. So these are different markers that go up with inflammation. Ferritin is one of them, C-reactive protein, um, sometimes also written out as CRP, and then sedimentation rate. So again, it's not we're not just looking at these to be out of lab range or high according to the lab reference range, but kind of compared to your baseline. And you'll notice that these markers can actually go up during an autoimmune flare. Now, these markers don't tell us where the inflammation is coming from. They're not specific to where the inflammation is coming from, uh, but they can just indicate that there is, in fact, an acute inflammatory response. Um, with ferritin, that being high, if that's, if that's activated, there's an inflammatory oxidative response going on. And just as a pro tip, cause like, let's say you you know, some of these are pretty commonly run labs. So if you're going through your labs right now, <laughs> um, and you see a high ferritin, yes, there's probably inflammation going on. Uh, but also look at your supplements, including like a multivitamin and just see if anything you're taking has iron. It's not a great idea to take anything with iron if you have high ferritin because you're getting exogenous iron, um, which will, you know, potentially increase the oxidative inflammatory stress and make you feel worse. So just kind of keep that in mind. Then there's another lab that's uh, complement proteins, which are just another immune you know, part of the, the immune response, this is three, uh, C3 and C4. If they are elevated, that's indicative that like something is causing them to kind of go off. And so this could be not specific again, like we're, it's not telling us exactly what it's causing them to go off. It's just saying that, yo, something's revving up your immune system right now. It could be a pathogen mold, mycotoxins, there's something going on that needs to be looked at. And then you can get a T and B cell profile. So these are lymphocytes. And when they're high, that can mean that they are a, attacking a pathogen. Um, if your autoimmune illness is like super duper aggressive, they can also go high because these natural killer cells are attacking our own tissue. Now, if that's the case, this is a pretty progressed autoimmune disease situation. Um, but, it, but so if these are elevated, that really tells you like go searching for pathogens, something, something is causing a ruckus. And again, coming up probably next week, we'll, the next couple of weeks, we'll talk about the different ways to test for and screen for different pathogens to figure out if that's part of your overall picture. So those are some real basic labs that you can request from your traditional doc to start to assess the health of the immune system. I know I said this last episode, I'm going to say it again. Um, this is not this is not education material for practitioners. Um, I'm not like teaching you how to analyze a CBC in this. This is really more for uh, the layperson, the the patient who is trying to figure out, geez, where do I start in terms of screening for autoimmunity? So I hope that was somewhat helpful for you um, to continue to learn more about autoimmunity and um, unpack what might be going on with you or at the very least where to start. So I'll be back next week with more. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Functional Nutrition Podcast. If you got something from today's show, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, share with a friend and keep coming back for more. Take care of you.